Hi guys and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, and today I'm sitting with Derek Willis. Um, I want to say thank you to Mike Street who sought this out, uh, this interview. Um, he's a great guy. Um, we've uh, we've kind of been playing this uh, this version of chess that goes along on 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 Gmail. We're like, yeah, we should meet for a cup of tea or coffee, and we should definitely talk about some of the things you work on because he does work on an awful lot in in around Shrewsbury. Um, but we've never actually met for a coffee yet, so yeah. it's the first. And, and we have a game, Nev and I, whenever we meet. Of how many seconds is it before you meet someone who knows Nev? I know, just, yeah. It's just everyone in Shrewsbury knows him, don't they? It's, I called it. I called him Mike as well. That's because, yeah, um, and, and that was my really subtle way of going. It's no, Nev, yeah. not <laughs> Mike. <laughs> the reason being is I get press releases off Mike Streetly, who's also a great guy, and Neville Street. Oh. So that's the uh, the confusion there. So both great guys, both do great work um, in promoting um, amazing shows and productions and and press releases around around Shrewsbury and Shropshire. Um, but Derek, thank you so much for joining us today. Short notice as well. Pleasure. We planned this yesterday. Um, uh, you know, sometimes this happens. I get a cancellation. I'm like, I'd rather do something with my time than nothing, you know? So speaking to you is a huge pleasure today. So thank you. Um, and, and I feel like I've made it as an adopted Salopian that I'm on the Biscuit podcast. So thank you. It's, um, oh, it's no. great to be here. When it comes to when it comes to culture um, and, you know, uh, folks like yourself and, and the, the, the people you work with that bring culture into Shrewsbury that may inspire um, actors and producers and theatre companies to go and do something good because you know you've been a part of especially last year with bounces something that went on to be a huge success something that people might grab onto and be like oh do you know what? i want to do that i want to pizza this cake you know so thank you <laughs> yeah and um i mean john gobber himself said that that bounces and, and thank you very much remember we did it um yeah. The bounces is meant for those people who don't think theatre is creaky floorboards and red dusty curtains. Um, and oh, bounces, if for, for people who haven't seen it, is basically four blokes who are dressed in DJs who play every single person that comes to the nightclub, but with no costume change. Um, so their accent, the way they move, um, just um describes the events that they seen during during a club i mean i'd i've seen it loads of times and been in it um but we were looking for a show that was covid friendly and then going as as director um i need to be able to step into any part that you that anybody's self-isolating for so anything that's got an eight-year-old girl in my acting skills be amazing but i think we kind of have this credibility gap if i go on stage pretend to be that so you need a play that's got fig book four big burly blokes in it who look like they're bouncers and it you know i was such joy putting on um a show that lots of people love a lot a show that lots of people who've never been to the theater can come and see and go i get what you guys are talking about but also something fairly dark because there's there's bits of talking about club culture and what happens about um young people growing up of what we kind of expose them to within clubs and the the um the way people dress and the kind of sexualization of children at an early age that's all in there um on top of a an incredibly fun and and in the case of where we set it um very retro vintage 80s using all the music i grew up and actually realistically still listen to in fact yeah, our house no, no one can listen to video killed the radio star anytime without thinking about that bounces so yeah we're um we're back again this year kind of doing something completely different but again with three burly blokes <laughs> <laughs> 
But with bouncers, you know, you say you you incorporate in different characters of people you've seen over the years in the nightclubs. Um, is this a case of improv, or is this like a lot of thought gone into? Oh no, this there's this guy called Rob back in the day that would always come in and just scour the place oh, looking for drinks on tables. Yeah, God, Alex, you yeah. can't you can't quote me on that one, can you? We mm-hmm. we as a cast um, started looking at these people, and the first thing was right: how do they move? Because the first mm. way you're going to tell whether this is a different person is you've got no costume, is how how does that person move? So with no high heel shoes on, how do you convey that you're walking in high heel shoes? How does a bouncer walk to convince you that actually they're quite threatening and not to interfere with them? What does a 16-year-old lad who can't handle his alcohol walk like? So the, the first way we went was, was kind of the, the physical aspect of it. But as we were going along, there's people going, yeah, that's that's so-and-so. Like, really? Is that, yeah, when when I'm doing them, I'm thinking of one particular person. Um, I mean, there's one bit where there's a burger seller who was um, selling stuff outside the club at two in the morning. And one of the actors said, um, I was in a gig once and I was in Glasgow and we had this bloke and he was exactly like this guy's written. So he suddenly became Glaswegian. Um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit of you, you've got to give people a clue about you acting and you moving because it's a big ass keeping an accent on, and particularly when you're switching between. I mean, one guy had about sixteen parts to play. But being able to move between that accent, giving yourself the physical clue first, I guess, is the way to to get that. And also, whenever I've seen bounces, it's just been a rush. It's just, it, it's so rapid. So it's actually, there needs to be a little bit of pace. And because we weren't doing it with the with the other one that's often put on at the same time, Shakers, which um, without being too controversial, I'm not sure Shakers works as well. It just gave us a little bit of time to expand it. Um, so, yeah. Um, without being sued by anyone, it was a little bit of a mixture of how does your character move? And then once you start moving, what voice does that make you have? What does the physicality of the character make you do? And actually, um, for those of us who can remember ever going to a club, um, <laughs> had you spotted someone in the corner who, yeah, you've split up with your boyfriend and that's that's the particular image that I'm trying to put across. Or I would say this super bike. emotional girl that's had a few too many and she's just like, everybody hates me. We see them all, don't we? It's so good. To and, um, to... and one of the funniest bits of that is that um, playing Elaine, who kind of had um boyfriend, she caught snogging. Um, <laughs> that was, we played that as one of the audience snogging. All the girls were kind of going around, oh, it's really sad. And then literally as soon as a, a song came on that they liked, they're all off leaving a crying kind of bereft. But yeah. Um, she's crying and the line was um, it's a long term relationship and be going out with him for three days um, <laughs> and yeah I remember that teenage angst uh, it's amazing that you can do that though I mean like uh, you know there are so many people especially during during the, the pandemic that I think deserved a bit of amplification when it comes to sort of um, personifying that as, as a character you know it's like you, you see uh, the uh, the the overcautious face masks and and visors and the gloves and you kind of like you know those kind of things that we we were around and it just it seemed normal and it when you look back at it now and you think oh my god that's it's just an unprecedented time that we lived in you know um and when it comes to nightclubs i feel like okay so like the music era and the nightclub era has evolved into something different what it is today but the people the people that go to nightclubs now 
are still the same people that were going back in yeah, back yeah. in the day because it's at the end of the day it's all alcohol fueled and music fueled and drama fueled in in many circumstances. And and let's face it, hormone fueled as as well. <laughs> let's let's not escape that. Yeah, with with my kids who you know are now old enough to be doing the whole club thing, of you kind of you don't want to say I've done it all before, and the music's different, and I want to say the clothes are different, but the way that fashion works, and a lot of the stuff that I was wearing that I've looked back and gone, oh my life, why did I think that was a good idea? It all starts coming back, doesn't it? So a lot of 80s stuff they're they're wearing now, which is guys the collars didn't work and kind of fluffy shirts no but but yeah it's 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 the same thing and there's there's things that are timeless aren't they and and it's about growing up and discovering yourself and making those mistakes the thing that i think is different i mean you know um, drugs and people being spiked i think that's a whole new area that we we never had when i'm speaking for me alex obviously you've only just left the year of going to nightclubs you're much much younger than me um that that passed me a long time ago don't you worry That was, that was something we never had to contend with, with it. But, you know, literally having stuff to put in your drink or actually being injected. I mean, that's scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's happening all the merit, especially, you know, living here in Shrewsbury. We've got the seven that runs, you know, rapidly through our town. And it's, you know, claimed many lives over the last couple of years. And it's young people piling out of nightclubs in, in many circumstances. And, you know, with the, 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 the drugs and the, uh, the, you know, the doping of people in nightclubs, it's just, a, it is quite a scary thing. I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? You, you, a lot of people just go out to, I mean, I'm not a big, massive nightclub. I'm going to a nightclub on Saturday night. But that's to work. I'm going with the Shoes of Biscuit, and we're going to be uh, at the uh, the Shropshire Music Awards after party. I'm going to be with a microphone. I'm driving, so I'm not going to be drinking. But um, I'm I, I'm at that age now. It's been that long since I went to a nightclub. I I messaged uh, Trey Trey Matblood, who who has run everything. I was like, "What do I wear? What do I wear to a nightclub these days?" <laughs> oh, oh, that's that's really sad, isn't it? I know. What does one wear to go to such events these days? <laughs> I mean, I've gone. I've gone past the point. I'm, I'm 36 years old. I don't care anymore. I'm sat here in a, in a, in a Vikings jersey do, on the shoes of biscuit. I'm past the point of caring what I look like anymore. But like nightclubs are different, aren't they? They're a different breed. Um, and so let, let, I'll tell you what we'll do. Um, before we start talking about you know sort of the production that you guys are working on right now, I'd like to learn a bit about you, Derek. Um, okay. So where 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 do you where do you where do you hail from um, originally? <laughs> You can tell from my really strong accent that I'm from County Durham originally. So I'm a, I'm a, a concert lad, um, born and bred. Um, parents were kind of typical, um, working themselves out of being in that environment. So you know, my dad worked in um, concert iron company as a crane driver. Um, and they got married, and they went and they worked in um, social care in Scotland with with kids. And then came back, had my brother, um, and my mum supported my dad while he retrained as a social worker. So mum and dad kind of moved around the country, so I moved with them. Um, Trained in Birmingham, um, and Birmingham, mainly because shaved head, big pair of shoulders, Geordie accent. It was, um, you kind of need to soften the image if you're going to be involved in healthcare, Derek. So, and I'm a bit of a parrot. So having lived in Birmingham for, you know, over 10, 15 years as it was, I kind of picked up more of a Midlands accent. Um, We lived in New Zealand for a bit. Amazing experience, fantastic country. Then moved back to Durham and then jobs came up for both my other half and I in Shrewsbury, well, kind of Shropshire. And we moved back down to Shropshire, been here for 10 years now. And actually, 
we were so lucky to live here and to have brought our kids up in such an amazing place. Like, really, such a I was just joking about because I've got my window right here and looking out, I was like, it looks like Mordor outside. And you're like, no, that's that's more like Birmingham. We're more like in the Shire in, in, in Shropshire. And I think the Shire in Lord of the Rings is probably a, a, a good comparison to, to a lot of places because it is so open. It's so much like so much grass and trees and rivers and places you can go and visit and you can spread out. And But yet there's so many opportunities here as well. It's um, it's a well-connected um place and you know when i'm not from shrewsbury originally um that's that's kind of like why i started the shrewsbury biscuit i want to learn about shrewsbury as the listeners did you know it's quite cool um but I, we moved here in 20 at the end of 2017 and i i don't think i'll ever move away from shrewsbury i think it's an amazing place um like i said but lots of lots of opportunities but certainly for me with the shrewsbury biscuit you know 400 episodes in we're growing and i love this place this place has given me something i can work with you know and uh, i love it for that um and you know so you, you say you work in healthcare originally that's your actual yeah i see that's your, my, your real that's life my job my proper day job yeah yeah. So, um, yeah. um, theatre stuff is what I do to kind of unwind outside of the normal stuff I do. But yeah, it's, I mean, I I was such a city boy um, of eighteen. Yeah, I can't live anywhere that's not concrete. And but having lived in in New Zealand, in Durham, and now in in we live actually in Shrewsbury. I just love being surrounded by green and I just it would do my head in not actually being able to go out and walk somewhere. Yeah. Um, and also just having people who smile and talk to you. Um, I'm joking about Nev, but having been here 10 years now, it's it's reaching the point where um, you kind of can't walk up the street without bumping into someone you know and just having a bit of a chat. I mean, that's, that's just brilliant. And She's to me up the cop and Shrewsbury and somebody's like, oh, Alex, I'm like, hold on, just wait a second. Mate. <laughs> my, my thing is trying to remember how I know people. Of like, right? Yeah. So is, it, is it from the gym? Is it from work? Or is it from um, from theatre? Because that's sort of a different opening line, depending on which which ver- of my various bits of life I know you from. <laughs> it's it's always difficult. I mean, I mean, I meet so many people. I'm so privileged to be able to experience the things I do with the shoes biscuit, and I absolutely adore it. But I do meet so many people month to month, and I was at the um, the, the steampunk. Uh, spooktacular at St. Mary's at the weekend. It was amazing. Um, I've recorded um, audio, so that should be out now. So uh, if you listen to that, you'll know. Um, but um, uh, somebody came up to me and was like, hi, Alex. I was like, hi, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, thanks. And I just, I just, pff, it was gone. And that's probably a little bit because I'm getting a bit older now. <laughs> There's only so much I can store inside this noggin. <laughs> also because I meet so many people. <laughs> It's nice. I think that's a compliment, though, isn't it? If you know so many people that you you kind of uh, you kind of forgetting names and stuff, it means that you've got a huge wealth of people that you know. I don't know, maybe. Um, and also, yeah, it's it's kind of various things that you're doing, isn't it? Of what kind of you're not just doing one thing. That your life is is rich and varied with different bits and pieces that you're involved in. But, yeah, but, and yeah. I, I guess for your job, you're just insanely curious, aren't you? So you're spending the whole time asking questions of people, and then that means that people feel that they've got an ability to ask you questions back, I guess. Whereas sometimes when you walk past someone, oh, they don't want to be bothered. Whereas if your job is um, trying to engage people and getting them to talk to you, that actually it's all right to wander up and start talking. It's nice when people are willing to talk to you. I remember we were talking about um, my, my first sort of 
my first <laughs> before the biscuit began I, I was collecting content i mean so this is a great advice for anybody who wants to start a podcast collect content before you start releasing stuff so we we recorded like six shows and then we had like six weeks to catch up but i thought i'm going to stand on pride hill with a little task microphone it's in my drawer here um and I'm, i wanted to ask how many people were going to be shopping independently for christmas right i thought this would be great let's, let's see how many people were using independent stores i got told to f off people walked past me people just rude to my face and i just I was, it was such a horrible horrible experience Seriously? yeah man when you're trying to stop people when they're like going down pride hill and they're like i need to go to marks and spencer's bam i'm going that way like they will not stop. And that really, really ruined me for a while. I mean, it's so much the fact that um, I think the first, I, I remember I was getting Fox Pox at, um, there was uh, the drive-in events that Shropshire Festival's put on. They had um, the greatest showmen and all sorts of amazing things they were putting on the drive-in at the Westmid Showground. And I was walking around with, with a microphone trying to speak to people and I was really shy and timid. And that was like three years after that experience. Until I got to the point of nobody cares, Alex. Nobody cares that I'm going to be like. So I was just like, "Does anybody want to speak to me?" And I was just waving my mic around. And loads of people. Once I kind of got over that road bump, loads of people wanted to come speak to me because I wasn't shy and timid. I was kind of doing yeah. it to myself. You know what I mean? So it's how you yeah. transmit across, isn't it? That it's all right to talk to me. Yeah. If you walk up to me like uh, speak to me in the shoes of biscuit, you look shady, man. Straight away, the people are like, "He's speaking to this guy." Um, so yeah, yeah, it takes you a while once you have a that knock. But Shrewsbury is a good place for that, though. You realise that it was me that was uh, that was uh, you know sort of amplifying myself in a negative way, not the other way around. Um, so yeah, when when do you sort of step into into theatre then? You know, because you, you're from a medical background. When do you, where yeah. do you start thinking so- I need to do this? I want to be on the stage, darling. I'm not sure I say stage, darling, but yeah, you this. <laughs> um, three years, three years old. I remember doing my first ever nativity play, um, oh. and loved it. Of like, actually, what happens is that people sit and they watch you, and you get to show off in front of them. And actually, you're not yourself. It's it's not me. It's you're playing someone else, and you get to do and say and be things that in real life you'd get told off for. But actually, if you do it well on the stage, everybody gives you a round of applause. So I I just carried on with theatre from there. Um, trained in mime and physical theatre, so not talking. Which <laughs> for anyone who knows me might come as a bit of a shock. I actually trained in not talking um, at all on the stage, and it was. It, physical theatre stuff um so i was approaching 16 17 and was thinking about what the job should be and um the guy that i was doing a lot of work with at the time um, up in york um kind of was going i don't know whether to do medicine or to actually go to try my hand at doing this full time and he just laughed and he's like do you do you know how much time i actually spend working um what you need to do is you need to have something that's the fallback that means that you can actually get you know have cornflakes on the table <laughs> then once you've got that um think about that and also with with theater anything that you bring to it any life experience you bring to it is just valuable to go away and see a bit of the world and that will inform how you perform um and that's probably one of the wisest bits of advice that i've ever had because yeah. I love my job, and I think that's really unusual. Um, love what I do, and my hobby, which is so different from what I what I do during the day, helps me do that job better. 
a lot of the people who I've seen who've taken the thing that they love as their hobby and made it into the career, they've stopped loving it because yeah. it's ended up being the day job. And also, I'm not the kind of person that can cope really well with, I don't know when the next bit of work's coming. So you kind of jog on and then suddenly a whole bit of work is getting you busy for eight weeks and then you have nothing. And also I'd say that a lot of what I've learned in theatre about communication, about the way you come across, that that for teacher communication skills about how to um, talk to people is just valuable. So there is there is quite a lot of crossover. So a lot of my job is teaching medical students and um, nurses and trained staff of how do you have difficult conversations with people? How do you come across as being compassionate? But how do you make it that you're actually getting that information over? So we use quite a lot of um, role play or simulated patients to do that. So people have a chance to get it wrong, but in a safe space. So, yeah, I've thought about it. Um, every now and then the dream still happens of, you know, my, my Hamlet still hasn't been discovered and, and that needs to happen. <laughs> um, but get up in the morning thinking I love, I love what I do during the day and I love what I do at night. Well, nobody wants to go and see a show of somebody like, you know, hunched over and be like, oh. <laughs> on stage and they're like uh, <laughs> start reciting their lines like they can't be bothered you know what i mean it's it, it must be it must be rewarding for a paying customer to go and see a show where someone's actually amazing and passionate and really wants to be there and sells it passionately um because um i mean i, I guess like if you got a full-time job like i do i have a big boy job as well as what i do with the biscuit a big which boy makes job a big boy job um <laughs> which you know i work around support I, I i speak to young people um that have come out of care and you know i've had many conversations about sort of how many people do i you know that i may have fathered over the years with my job and i put it down to like communication you know there there are people out there that will speak to people like they're a number like they're a cognitive machine these people exist believe it or not but there are also the rare few that will speak to every single person like they're a human being and give them the time of day to sit there and, and discuss what their problems are and i feel like that job kind of married up with what i've been doing with the biscuit you know it teaches you how to listen how to have a really good conversation slow things down like you know um when it comes to young people i felt like giving them that time to express themselves through conversation and then finding the right things to say is sort of set me up for what i consider some of the the greatest moments of, of my life with some of the interviews that we've had over the years there are some that really stand out to like wow that was powerful i mean the, the interview i did a couple of weeks ago with uh with Gareth Thomas from Rocking Horse, you know he was the, he's this guy who's creating this this huge production that's um, bringing in cast and crew from all across the country. They've got this amazing partnership with Derwin College and making this TV pilot. But I talked about his demons and you know the the, the, the troubles he had with alcohol, and I just let him speak about that, you know, and it really helped him and helped people understand his his story. Uh, you know, you're right with theatre; those those tools come sort of organically, don't they? Yeah, you they know? do. Have you thought of advertising on the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast? It's a great way to organically tell people about your business. Our listener base is growing all the time. At the moment, we are averaging around 1,500 downloads a month, which is a great number. We have a great mix in demographic, and most of our listeners are in and around Shropshire. We are a community interest company, so any money that we make goes straight back into the show. We want to help local independent businesses so we don't charge an awful lot. If you would like to advertise on my show, 
please get in contact with me. My email is shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com or message us on Facebook or Instagram. Advertise on the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast and be heard. Um, and and so yeah, yeah it's, kind of in, it's kind of interesting how your job's kind of got a similar thing of um, actually my my hobby feeds into my job but my job feeds into my hobby and actually the the most important thing that you learn about communication is shut up and if you want people to feel like they've been valued giving a person an opportunity to actually talk is just really valuable um because i mean a lot of discussion that we have at the minute kind of publicly is a person with their point of view just trying to shove it into someone's throat and i am right there is no possibility that actually yeah. you could have anything to tell me it was actually when we're kind of sitting and listening to each other it might be that you're wrong and that it sharpening what you think or changing yes. what you think through di- kind of the greek word is dialectic so socrates I like I am a philosopher, other thing that I like teaching. Socrates um, goes down to a marketplace and says, I don't know what courage is. Can anyone tell me? And then he has people who come and tell him stuff. And he's going, yeah, that can't be right. Or this can't be right. But by him listening, he sort of refines down what he thinks. Debate is I come in, I've already made my mind up. And what I want to do is persuade you that I'm right. So I don't think there's enough dialectic, which is a journey of discovery of what's right, as opposed to people projecting and telling people this is the right thing and and actually you're something weird if you don't agree with me. Are you, are you as, a, as, a, as someone that writes and, and produces, and you know, are you constantly taking notes on, on your ability to do that? Sort of listen and to... Yeah, and to, to the, the bits where I think I've really come unstuck is where I've gone on with a definite idea of what I want. And um, I haven't listened to other people going, that's not working. Whereas the bits where it's really worked is where I've, what I've viewed it is I'm actually just creating a space for kind of this to happen in. And let's actually have a bit of a journey to work out what's there. So um, for bouncers, I want to set something in an 80s nightclub. How would we do that? So then we started talking about, well, Rubik's Cube, the thing that we, yeah, Rubik's Cube. So do you remember when you used to go into the dance floor and there was a Rubik's Cube dance floor? Wouldn't it be great if we actually had a Rubik's Cube dance floor? That So we got, you know, those little kids' foam tiles? We, yes. we constructed a Rubik's Cube dance floor out of the, the tiles on it, nice. which just meant that when people came in and the music was going, it's like, I'm back in an 80s nightclub. So with the next production, it's I, I, I've read this script. I've seen it quite a few times. There are different ways that you can end up having these friends interact. So I've got a very definite idea of what I want the, the stage to look like because it's, it's quite specific. I haven't got an idea of where we're going to end up. So we call this a play. Let's as adults, let's have a bit of a play. Let's let's do the lines and who do you think this guy is and what's happening? So yeah, so my directorial style. Some people don't like it because it's not very definite, but other people that I tend to quite who's like the way I work is I've I've got an idea. Let's let's play with it. Let's give us ourselves some time to find it. And then it's my job as the director to stand outside and go, we're gonna do it this way. I'm yeah. I'm kind of make the decision of we've tried all this and actually that's the bit that works. That's my job as as the audience, if you like. But if I come in and say you will say it this way, you will take three steps to the right when you've done it, that's just all the creativity out the window. 
So yeah, yeah, interesting. I think there's an analogy with it of I am not coming in and telling you what to do. I can't come and tell you that my opinion's right. Let's just try and work it out together. And then maybe both of us will change and both of us will be richer for that. There's a lot of time for like organic growth in, in that process, you know, because you, you know, when, you, when you're working on a three man show, you know, for example, you know, a couple of people, you were, you bounce off each other's chemistry. And if everybody's happy, then the chemistry's right. You know, that makes a lot of sense. I like, I like your director's style. Oh, well, I, know? it's kind of what I like working with. So, I mean, in the end, you select the people that, give you energy don't you so um lots of people who don't want that won't won't come and work with you um and that's kind of the way i like working but full stop it's now it doesn't mean that i don't have strong opinions um yeah but so i don't think you kind of go that you don't have anything but you've got to give people the opportunity that their life experience and where they've come from might actually be able to inform you and those people who've really made me grow are those people i still probably completely disagree with but rather than demonizing them, thinking you're an ex, therefore you can't have any opinion. But actually yes. sitting down going, I don't get why you think that. Can you talk me through why why you've arrived at it? Um, and then maybe it's just kind of changed me a bit. Or maybe going, well, I still don't agree with you. But at least I've got a sense of who you are. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about uh, Shropshire Drama Company. Um, have you worked with, with Shropshire Drama Company for a long time? Um, so I've been, we were trying to work it out. It was about five or six years. I did my first show with Shropshire Drama Company and they did um, Bedroom Fast with a uh, called-in director called Jonathan, whose name I can't remember. Um, and typical Alan Akebourne, there's three different bedrooms all on the stage at the same time and the action flits between the two. I had a ball. It was really nice being part of a group that wanted to do it well so amateur sometimes just gets a bit of a bad press doesn't it and what yeah. i think amateur is amateur just means you love doing it it's not your job you're doing it out of choice so you love it i've um, worked with a lot of amateur dramatics over the years with the shoes of biscuit and i find i find the show is just breathtaking because they, like you said they want to be there and they want to put on a yeah. show you know and so i i kind of did um bedroom fast with them and then I've always wanted to be in a Shakespeare, never, never done a Shakespeare play. Um, was in Henry V <laughs> and ended up the part of a pimp who's a body snatcher and a coward. Um, so, yeah, maybe not the biggest Shakespearean role I ever thought about. <laughs> um, and I directed quite a bit pre-kids, but then once the kids came along, when, once you directed something, but basically that is your life outside of work. Um, yeah. And during, as we said, during COVID, bounces was the right thing. And Bouncers was a joy and loved doing it. So, how far did Bouncers go? Up. Did you stay stick in Shropshire or did it go around the country? Or how no, we just stayed in, in Bouncers. Um, we did it. So, we talked about touring it, but then again, COVID kind of took over and um, yeah. trying to work out who you'd negotiate things going everywhere. But yeah, it's, um, it's, it's crazy one of those how... shows you could kind of come back to, but yeah. It's. Um... It's crazy how how much that that the pandemic affected things creatively for a lot of producers of, uh, of, of whether it be arts, music, podcasts. You know, we were supposed to. I think we're we're now where we would have been last year as as the shoes of biscuit if it, that hadn't have happened. But that, that being said, I loved how we adapted. Um, to the Shropshire Drama Company, how how was it as a company to to be a part of? Like, I've never really spoken to them before um but as, as a company were they welcoming did they make you feel at home um what was the process like 
yeah i so i just turned up to an audition and it was like like an audition um i was impressed how professionally it was done um mm -hmm. so there was a time and and again the director was I'm not. I'm bothered about whether you can act. I want you to be out. But actually, part of this is: can I imagine you're that? That you can you bring something to the character that you're at? But not just that. Can can I imagine you as a group of people? Because bedroom fast was effectively, um, you know, three couples and another. Um, no, actually, four couples. It was a long time ago. Could you imagine those <laughs> two as a, two people as a couple? And then the interactions that happened was that believable? And um, always enjoyed how hot they are on the kind of production side of things a lot of companies the emphasis is on the acting but to actually have someone who's who's doing props that there's someone at the rehearsal who's prompting you so production side of things sdc is i think one of the best companies that i've ever worked with and certainly Amazing. as a director having support to go well someone's going to help you with lighting someone is doing this someone doing publicity it's great um and they pick plays that necessarily you wouldn't find other drama companies picking which is quite brave um and it was brave taking me on um saying, okay, <laughs> I love that. direct, well done, direct bounces. <laughs> <laughs> and, and again a lot of the a lot of the company red bouncers said this is not our cup of tea this is not the kind of thing that we would like but we get that this has got worth so run with it and that's really refreshing to actually have a, a company that's that sees itself as trying to put on different things because loads of people have different tastes and trying to get different audiences in for different productions. Yeah, that's that's really encouraging. You know the fact that they're going to they, they'll, they'll give, not only give you a chance to, to to come in with new ideas, but they're going to they're going to be original <laughs> and authentically, you know, organically just original. Like I said, you know, so we've all seeing the same plays over and over again in theatre. And sometimes they're amazing to go and see. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not saying that, but it's nice to see something new and something fresh. Um, I was reading, uh, by the way, I got a lot of my notes today from My Shrewsbury magazine. So thank you, Katie Rink, for being a, the amazing person that you are. But one of the things I picked up on the, the write-up that Katie did is you mentioned talking about working with friends and the importance of that. And can we elaborate on that? You know, working with friends. Did you Are these friends you've known for years or through SDC? Okay. So what this is about, you, you, you're too young to remember, Alex. In the 90s, <laughs> there was a sitcom called Friends. And I love how you're like, oh, you're far too young to remember that. Um, yeah. Well, you I, are. I like that, yeah. <laughs> so there was a real, I mean, I, I remember kind of having my first jobs working in hospitals when that was coming out. And we would get home and, and watch Friends. And there was an emphasis on the the people that you surrounded yourself who were friends, um, and friendship was like huge. Um, and this play art uh, was written at that time, written in French, and it was a woman looking in on male friendship and writing okay. a play on what she perceived male friendship was like in its in its warts and all. Um, and Christopher Hampton, who's quite famous English playwright, took that and translated it, and then it came to the West End in the nineties. So it had Albert Finney, um, Tom Courtney, and Ken Stott as the first three actors that did it. And it just took off. And they'd, they'd done this play going, we didn't think it was very funny, but we started performing it and people were howling with laughter at what we're doing. And then afterwards we were kind of saying, well, why were you laughing at such a dark line? Said, Because I said that to my best mate. 
or <laughs> that's how I am with my friendship. So, so this is this is a play about friends. Um, obviously, you can call it friends because copyright reasons. Art. It just so happens that these three friends, one of them buys a painting, and the painting costs thousands of euros, and it's one. It, it's white on a canvas five foot by four on a white background with white stripes on it. <laughs> so objectively, there's nothing on there. <laughs> and so this guy, who's a bit nouveau rich, he's sort of one of the friends says, buys his way into being accepted, shows this painter to his friends. And they have the option of, do I actually tell him that I hate it and I think it's rubbish? <laughs> or do I lie? And what are the consequences of that? And that's that basically is the whole plot of it, of going, in the end, is friendship actually about being completely honest with the people that we call friends? Or does lying keep a friendship afloat? And actually, how much are you allowed to disagree with your friends? And is it giving in when you say, I accept you like it, I don't like it, let's just move on? Um, so... We 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 read it, and the three that kind of the actors that auditioned were going. This is such an exciting play. We want to do it, and then as they were reading, I was going, "This is going to be so hard to do." There, there's 64 pages of lines to remember. There's one speech that is three pages long, which has three full stops in it. So the guy just literally has to go hell for leather all the way through. And actually, we, we're going to have to dig really deep to try and find out, A, why these people are friends in the first place, but B, who, who's the sympathetic one in this? Because I didn't want it to have one baddie and two goodies. I wanted you to come away from watching the show going, do you know what? There's a little bit of good and bad in all three of them, and I get where all three of them are coming from. So, yeah, so that's that's where the friends comes in, is that I've said, it, basically, this is friends gone wrong. So, you know, at the end of the half an hour, um, Phoebe and Chandler would fall out about something, and then literally two minutes later, it will be all resolved by the time you get to the end of the sitcom. Yeah. This is just a little bit more raw and bleak, but also bleakly funny about what happens when friendship goes wrong. I love the idea of it. I love the idea of it simply because, I mean, I I know Friends is getting a lot of hate at the moment. I don't know why. I mean, it was of an era, uh, you know, the, but uh, I do like Friends. And I, we grew up, it, it was a Friday night on Channel 4. There'd be, I think it was, uh, there was Friends, Frasier, and then South Park. There was, uh, they were like, that was the evening for me. On, I was on there. Friday. Yeah, it and was we amazing. Called in, for, called in with pizza to kind of get that every night that we sat and watched it. Yeah. And then I think it was Trigger Happy TV as well. I used to love that. You know, that was the perfect evening for me. That was the perfect, and I, I grew up with that. But also, I'm a bloke, right? And I've got blokey friends, and um, some of my best friends, I will text the most vile things to, and it does get dark. But it's with love. Um, there is a song um, <laughs> called uh, "Frank" by Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes, and it's called "I Hate You," and it's vile. It is ridiculously horrible. And I sent it to my best friend and I was like, this is what I think of you. And he just laughed about it, you know, because that's the kind of human blokes have. I mean, I don't mean to stereotype every bloke out there, but somebody looking on the outside on some friendships that guys have might be mortified. And I love that this is what this represents, you know. Um, Brian Cox, you know, the guy that's in succession, really famous Scottish actor. He was he was in the Broadway version of this. And he said it took it took a woman to stand outside um, blokes and to describe what it looks like from a distance. 
So because that's that's not who she is, she can't go, oh, it's all right, because that's, that, that's what we do, isn't it? Um, she was standing out going, do you know how that looks if you're standing outside of this? Yeah. So it's not the if someone can cope with it, the the banter that you've got, that it's, it's much deeper of actually, I, if I don't like something that you do, does that mean I don't like you? Can I separate yeah. your tastes, your actions from who you actually are? And then a little bit about controlling, about how can – so there's one guy that's really controlling and can't cope with the fact his friend does something that he wouldn't do. Then there's one guy who's just a peacemaker who's trying to make everybody get on with everybody, who in the end, that is just completely irritating. It's like, well, what do you think? Oh, well, what do you think back? No. Let's calm down, lads. Let's calm down. You calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we, we all kind of went around and go, okay, cards on the table. Which of these three characters are you? And we all went, it depends on the circumstances. There's a bit of each of them that are me. And that's what makes this so, so good. But yeah. That must so, be really handle, handy, like when you're, portraying these parts on stage you can just you can nip back into your past and take a look at that and be like oh i'm going to take a bit of this and a bit of that and you can react sort of instinctly you know if that makes sense and it, i mean it, calling it therapy makes it sound too grand but in the middle of rehearsals often kind of will go I, d I don't understand how anyone could do that and then someone in the cast will go well actually um i had this mate and this happened and this happened and actually that's that's what we just said seriously I'm like yeah so again small cast it's only three blokes um me as the director and um my other half is stage managing which is fantastic and um sadie is um our props and basically everything that we need to have on the stage she's gone off and and bought for us a really tight nice little cast um and i'll miss them um, you know, with two or three weeks to go with three rehearsals, you kind of get to know each other really well. Yeah. And then suddenly when the show's over, it sort of ends. But if if you haven't seen Friends, it's just one of those shows you kind of need to have seen. And if you have, come and see whether you agree with the take we've taken on the three different characters. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to see who, who when people come out of going, I really hate Mark, but I really love Ivan, or whether it kind of changes. So, yeah, interest, interesting play. Nice. I, I mean, so it's it's playing at the Walker Theatre, isn't it? At the Southern Theatre. Yeah, is, Walker uh, Theatre, 9th to 12th of November. And um, what we're doing as well, and um, part of the proceeds are going to Seven Hospice. So oh, nice. not only are you coming to see great theatre, you're actually supporting a really great charity by coming along. Uh, when it comes to, you know, trying to find a venue for this thing, is it does it always naturally fall Theatre 7? That's where we've got to do it. Or are there other places around Shropshire that you, you can try and sell this to and try and take it around? Well, we did a thing called 41 Crowns, which obviously is now 42 Crowns, which was like the Kings and Queens of England. Um, and one of our, our crew, Michelle, with, with Nev, wrote an hour's kind of collection of poetry, songs, speeches, just as, as a review. So we went to the um, old post office, which everyone in Shropshire knows as OPO. So I know it was OPO. And we went into their back their back room. They've just got a little... They've got a really space. good room at the back, haven't they? It's huge. Yeah. Nice. So we, yeah. we performed that as a, um, uh, a kind of trial to go, does this work? So only seats 60 people. Um, if the performance is awful, you can play with alcohol, so they'll laugh at anything. But the feedback we got was really, really positive. So, yeah, we've rewritten it to, to mean that there's now um, 42 crowns rather than 41. And um, that's one of the things we're thinking about maybe next time is that we tour that. But that's um, that's not officially announced, but that might be. So you're right. There's this. Why, why do you always go to this venue? 
when it, when you do something like art, which is going to depend on lighting because it's the same set, it's three rooms, but the same set and and the lighting and the picture that's on the wall, that's the way that you know that you're in the different person. So you need house. a good stage to do that. You need a well built. Yeah. And also, um, Jared Jackson, who's with Notorious Jig, is composing the music for us. So to be able to kind of make the music come across well, you kind of need a good sound system. So, yeah, he's um, Gerard. We, my take was I kind of want vision on from the 70s, that thing with the vibraphone mixed with Amelie. So a little bit of Frenchy accordion stuff. And the music he's come up with is great. So each, each of the characters have a different theme for when we go into their different houses. So, again, there's a clue of, right, we're in Mark's house now. So it's just been, it's just this multi part of really creative, exciting people. And, you know, when it comes to the process, uh, obviously the, the, it takes a long time. You said you're going to miss your crew, which I totally understand because once it's over, it's over, everybody goes their separate ways. But from the, the, the conception, obviously this is already written, but like from the moment you, 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 you decide we're going to do this, we're going to do it our own way from the very beginning, right to the end when it, the, the, the final curtains drop and that's it. You, that's a wrap. And um, what's your favorite part of the process? What do you enjoy the most? Oh, that's really interesting. You'd get to do this very rarely in productions just because people have busy lives. But there's a, so that there's, there's two bits that I really like. The first bit is when we're just discovering the play, when we've got the script in front of us and we're reading it and going, what, what do you think we mean by that line? What's that? So that the beginning when we're just taking tentative steps where it's at, the bit in the middle where everybody's trying to learn the lines sometimes can be really painful because it's just stop, start, oh, God, what's my line again? And then you get to a third bit where they know their lines. You kind of know what the shape of the play is. And you go back to the beginning and go, right, we know how it ends. Does this change anything of what we've done? And let's just make bits, let's tinker all the way through it. And that's what we're doing at the minute. And all of us are coming out rehearsals going, I've really enjoyed that. And all we've done is taken three or four pages and gone, right, that doesn't work. Let's try it this way. Let's try it that way. And then just find again, that feels and looks right. So that's, that's fun. As a director, probably the boring bit is the show because you're over. It's like, thank you very much. Goodbye. Um, as an actor, <laughs> the, the bit you like is we've done this all in secret. We have no one's and suddenly having an audience respond to what you're doing and having that give back that that's the high. That's the, that's the, it can be quite there. difficult though. Cause like, I guess like with a film, with film, you can sort of like, cut, we're going to do this again. Whereas on, on, on stage, you can't, you're sat there like, Ooh, this is like going to be amazing. Or it's going to be a train wreck. It must be anxious, you know, for you. But that, but that's what makes it so much fun, isn't it? Of like, oh. yeah, kind of, I am, I am Mr. Marvel kind of sign up member of geek. I love to go and just have spectacle and have CGI coming at me. It's great. Um, but there's this pre-prescribed story, which is already there that in some senses, I as an audience member don't really take any part in. What, what you do is when you come to a live event, live music, live poetry, live anything, you've, you've willing to give up your time and that person standing on there can see you. And together, you're going to have this creative thing of let's, let's tell a story uh, or let's, let's experience this music together, which is a story. And I'm, I'm going to give this to you, which is making me quite vulnerable, but you're going to expose your vulnerability to me as well. Cause I'm going to know whether actually this is really starting to affect you or you're laughing or are you laughing in the wrong places? So yeah, it's that sense of danger that just makes it 
absolutely fun. But yeah, I, I remember once going on to a show and standing with someone in, in the um in the in the wings, and this lady turned to me going, "This is where I wonder why on earth I bother doing this at all," because she was so nervous. It's like, <laughs> but no, once you get on, it's like, yeah, it started. Mm. It's that it's about to start on the nervous bit. So I can reflect yeah, with you I, on so much of so much of it. I can reflect with you. It's all about creating, isn't it? You know that those emotions that are tied to that. It's addictive. But it's I mean you've you've got kids. So the breeding stories to kids is like um I loved rediscovering all those books that you kind of knew the end. But then you've got a whole you've got two kids who are captive audience code. Right, what we're gonna do, we're we're gonna read together hobbit and we're going to do the chapter of a hobbit each night so i know the hobbit off by heart but then you go oh, yeah i remember how scary gollum is and you know mm. an eight nine year old gollum <laughs> with his, his big hands going for fish um and so it, it, you kind of rediscover it all don't you so yeah. uh, i guess that the bit that's good as a director is you kind of go yeah this audience likes that bit that's interesting but you're kind of not part of it you're just sort of observing all of them doing the play together when you're standing there going this is my baby what do you think of it yeah so growing a garden watch watch the flowers grow you know um but yeah the, the creative processes for me i, I love that today for example today um all of our bank stuff has come through and everything's um official now we can start taking in sponsors for the shoes of biscuit after 400 episodes we can finally start doing it officially and i got this really excited feeling in my chest i felt young again and excited and you know, I love to do what I do, but like I haven't felt excited like that for a very long time because I saw potential finally. Um, and then with with PodAid, what we did, you know, you're talking about how you make this thing and then you step back, you know, and you just let it run its course, whether it's good or bad. You know, I spent sort of five months planning PodAid, 24-hour-long podcast, lots of moving work, socks of cogs. We had um, our team in Shropshire, our team in LA and Vermont, and I had... Uh, you sort of brought in the guests. I made the, the content, content briefs, which were on the table, pull him in after every guest. His thing was just rolling, rolling, rolling. And I just had to sit back and be like, this is either going to fail or it's going to be a success. Turns out it was all right. It's not too bad. And that feeling afterwards, that was kind of it's like a, um, an electric blanket, that kind of warmth, kind of like, oh, I'm, it's okay. It's fine. After five months of meticulous planning, it worked. And I, I, yeah, I can relate to you with that. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, what are you, what are you, what, what are the challenges when it comes to sort of creating something like we talk about the good things, what are the bad things, the things that you, 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 the, those emotions that you don't want to feel or those things you don't want to see? Um, yeah, just, just when someone's just not getting it, um, and it isn't about, I, I want to drive you to be this person I'd, i'm driving you to do it this way but when you've got an actor who's just sort of really struggling um to get the character it's like um you kind of want to shortcut it for them <laughs> like yeah do, do this but you you can't it's the because it's i would do it this way isn't right and i guess yeah. if people aren't learning their lines um, and i can hand on heart say with this show that is not true they've they've learned them when when you've got someone who doesn't know it and it and the the lines and dialogue need to bounce and then you've got someone who you constantly go and prompt um yeah and just hoping that people hoping that people turn up to watch it i guess is just my biggest nightmare of like please come and see our, our show because we've put so much work in it and actually really proud of it um 
but yeah, all, all my friends, all my staff are like, yeah, Derek, everything you tell us about is the best thing you've ever done. It's like, no, no, it really is for this one. This is, <laughs> this has been my baby since the nineties. I've really wanted to direct it. It's such a gift to be able to put it on. Um, and it's so hard to get three actors of caliber that can carry this off in an amateur company, I think is very, very rare. And I, I've, those, the three guys that I'm with are just incredible. They've learned their lines, they've, and they've got they've got a real sense of who these people are, and you get a sense of what the relationship is. And it's funny, but there are bits of it which are so oh, get you. Um, see, I'm excited. So, with that, the blurb for that is: What's the biggest thing? Hoping that people come and watch it because the show with yeah. no audience is not a show, is it? Well, we'll try and help with that. Uh, the shoes of biscuit. We'll we'll get this uh, this episode out with enough time so that people can go and buy tickets. Um, uh, so, what was the date again? It was the so it's 9th to the twelfth of November. So that's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. It's in the Walker Theatre, so that's the kind of little um, studio theatre which this this show really suits. And as I say, um, a share of the proceeds are going to Seven Hospice. So it's 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 a great show. But so also that's 9th of December, yeah, ninth of December, ninth of November, November, ninth so November, ninth to the twelfth November. I've got it here on the again on my shoes. Thank you for saving me with that one. Ninth <laughs> uh, to the twelfth of November. And um, where can people buy tickets? I'll, I'll go online on the um, Theatre Seven website um, on what's on. It's there. And if you go into the Structure Drama Company um, um, website and their Facebook page, the links there. But um, Theatre Seven is always doing us proud. It's it's kind of on that website. You can just book online. I'm really excited for it. Maybe we can come along and we can get some interviews with the cast afterwards or something. That'd be quite oh, nice. Oh, that'd be fab. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's, there's, I don't know whether I'm allowed to mention the pub that's across, but, you know, it's it's a it's a shorter show. So we'll um, we'll buy you a pint and we'll chat to you in the pub afterwards. The Anchor. Yeah, we can mention the Anchor. Yeah. Great pub. Uh, whenever we go to see things. When's the last thing we went to watch at, um, at Theatre 7? It was... Uh, Chris Ramsey, Chris Ramsey, Geordie comedian, because uh, he's one of. He's oh a, no, he's he's from Sunderland. He's not a Geordie. Oh, he's not a Geordie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's it's weird when you're not from that area of, of England. You know, you hear that you hear that accent, and you know, oh, I'm Chris Ramsey. You just automatically think, oh, I'm a, I'm a he's a Geordie. But yeah, okay. Is is a Mackham as we call them up there? A Mackham, I like that. <laughs> so Sunderland is the place where everything used to get sent off from the from the shipyards. So it was called Maycomb and Packham. So then in the Geordie accent, it was Mackham and Packham, and then it ended just being Mackham. So any from from Sunderland is called a Mackham. And people from Newcastle are called Geordie because the most common name was George. So anyone who came from Newcastle, I mean, Geordie is what you call someone in Georgia, Newcastle. So if you didn't know your name, you'd just call you Geordie because the bets were you probably were Geordie from from Newcastle. So it's Newcastle is Geordie and Mackham is, is Sunderland. Trust me to to, to 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 pull that one off from a guy from Durham to be like. Um, I was going to say it's a little it's a little <laughs> bit niche in Shropshire, isn't it? Like anyone cares down here. I guess I guess That's the a typical the, white the, It's it's like kind of black country in Birmingham. They um, people yeah. in the black yep. get very upset if you say they've got a Birmingham accent because it's and and it's true they are widely different cultures, aren't they? But there's this guy. But yeah, I'm, I, a, I'm not. 
I'm not going to mention his name because uh, he's not a professional. He's just somebody I know on Facebook. But um, I, I love my NFL, as you can see. And he's a big New York Giants fan. And he's got like a Geordie accent. Don't know if he's from Newcastle, but he's got a Geordie accent. And he wears a snack helmet. If you've ever, like, if anybody follows the NFL, they do snack helmets. And they there's like a bucket that you can put in the top of it. And there's like got a hole at the top of the bucket of the, of the helmet. And he puts this thing on as a helmet. And he's always like, go on, new New York Giants. We're going to get you. Oh, it's amazing. And he goes on these massive rants. And he is the most comical guy I've ever seen and it's I think it's down to the accent because he goes absolutely nuts um so yeah sorry Newcastle you do it for me you really do <laughs> yeah my um my kids know if they're in trouble because I say wished um, and wished is a real Geordie word um and yeah when I go home to my mum and dad I come back and I pick the accent up so I can't yeah. thank you <laughs> and, and if you're going to say it, you put like at the end of it. How are you going like? I'm can you like? Are you like? Well, I'm like. Well, that's good. Like, isn't it? Like, it is like. So yeah, and so I come to work. Everyone's going. You've been home, haven't you? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll I'll go back to my Midlands again. <laughs> <laughs> for on a podcast or something you know retrain you but uh, i used to i grew up in wrexham so la is still i can't believe they still use it but i've been watching welcome to wrexham which is an amazing series by the way whether you like football or not watch welcome to wrexham it's on disney plus it's about um rob McElhenney and ryan reynolds buying wrexham football club but like you hear people talking they're gonna do great and they laugh and they still say it and i for years that was in my vocabulary and it wasn't even a choice it would just call, fall out um i'm glad to say I don't say that anymore <laughs> because it used to until me. you go back to Wrexham and then you'll grab it all yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, do you know what? Um, I really love art. I think it's gonna. It sounds it sounds like my cup of tea. I definitely will. De- if we can organise it, I'd love to. Even if we, you know, sort of sit in the in the, in the sides there somewhere, wherever it is, we. Could, I'd love to come along and bring. I'll some come and I'll buy you a pint. Yes, that sounds fantastic. See, I bring it that's, too. that's the way to your heart, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's more the, the social convention of sitting around and just getting to know you guys in that sort of level rather than being like, can we get a word for the biscuit? There's, there's a bit of a difference, isn't there, when sitting there with a pint rather than, you know, uh, being there a fish. Like, I'm going to be at the uh, the Mature Club in Wellington um, to, uh, on Saturday night, really late as well. And uh, I'm going to be there like stiff as a board with a microphone. Can I get a word for the biscuit? It's not really going to yeah but i think um, what would be really interesting is after the show having had the build-up and then watch it just go okay what what do you think what what okay and that's part of the fun of a, of a play like this is to go it's not just that you've actually watched something it's it made you think and um who's yeah. who's the person that you're most like who do you think was right is there anyone that's right or wrong um is it all right to buy a white painting and then for us all to say that we really hate it and be that honest, or is it right to go, yeah, yeah, it's lovely when you don't actually mean that at all. Maybe we could do that then. Maybe we can, if you know some people that are coming to watch it, rather than me shove a microphone and people just want to go and watch a show, but if you've got any friends or family that's coming to watch it that know nothing about it, maybe we can ask them who was right and who was wrong. Just for That'd you. Just really for, yeah, just so we can get some uh, some feedback from the listeners, from the viewers. That'd be really, really good. Um so guys, uh, make sure you, uh, if I get a, a link, cause this isn't going to go out for a couple of weeks, but if I can get a link for the tickets from you, I'll put it on Facebook. Um, okay. but yeah, go to theater seven, um, website, um, go to the structured drama company, um, website and buy tickets for this guys, because it, yes, it sounds like a great show and it raising money for theater, uh, for seven, um, seven hospice as well, which is a, a great cause. Of course. Um, Derek, you've been an amazing guest. I've really enjoyed Thank chatting you. with that you. You're welcome. You're welcome back anytime. You're welcome back oh, anytime. 
yeah um and thank you again uh to to, to neville not mike uh for <laughs> for arranging this Mike's on holiday won't hear this it's fine i know <laughs> oh by the way i he messaged me he was like um because oh, i said you can come on too come on too let's chat because i'm on my way to egypt and i said to him try not to eat too many mummies and it was a Futurama joke because I love Futurama. And um, if you watch Futurama, you know there's the, the, the one of the delicacies is eating million old mummies. I, I made a Futurama joke at Neville's expense, so I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Did he get it? <laughs> I explained to him. So I yeah, I went, ah, if, if it was anything to do with Velvet Underground or mods, then he'd have utterly understood it. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's a Futurama <laughs> guy, to be honest. Um, before we get out of here, uh, do you mind if I do a bit of plugging for 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 the biscuit? Um, uh, so like I mentioned midway into the show, we are now, we can now officially bring in sponsors. It took a while for our bank and company's house stuff to sort of line up. If you run a business, you know, um, uh, so, but now we can officially bring in sponsors. Uh, we are a registered CIC. We are an actual CIC. So any money that we make goes back into the show to help promote the show. Cause the way I see it is the more listeners we have, the more we can promote things. Um, so the, and the way to get that is to, to, you know, putting more money into marketing and production and stuff, you know, so that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, we have a new process and we, so we can uh, now feature four uh, advertisements from local sponsored um, um, sort of uh, businesses in the show. So we can do four a show, very short adverts. Uh, we have um, an average of 1200 listeners a month. Uh, mostly most of our demographic are in the Shropshire area or just outside but we do have listeners um internationally as well as an exception um and we the way we're going to be doing it is um it's going to be a hundred pound a month which sounds like not a lot but we do minimum four shows a month so that's 25 pound an episode which isn't an awful lot um we don't want to charge a lot to, to to scalp companies or to to make any money off it really we want to help promote companies whilst making a little bit of money as well so if you want to sponsor on the shoes of biscuit there we do have a loud voice and it will be it's a great way for for people to to hear about your businesses please email us uh, which is and our email is shrewsburybiscuitpodcast at gmail.com or just message us on facebook or instagram wherever you wherever you find us um we're really interested to speak to you we're try, i'm trying to find some music at the moment i want some lounge music so we can make some professional proper i'm a voice actor as well so i can make professional adverts that sound great uh, so please get in touch um derek you've been a great guest thank you so much for joining thank me is there anything me. else we've missed is there anything you want to tell the listeners before we get out of here Come and see the show, 9th and 12th yes. of November. Yes. <laughs> what I'll do is I'll be in stick trouble around. if I don't end on it. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you listen to the show. Go buy your tickets, guys. It's for a great course and it sounds like a great show. I'll play the outro music, stick around backstage, and I'll, I'll say goodbye to you properly. But thank you awesome. so much for listening, you. guys. Uh, really appreciate your support. And we'll catch you guys um, next week. Where's the video? Here we go. Peace out, guys. <laughs>